From the studios of Teeing It Up in the swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling with Danny Flecker for September 9th, 2022. What is more shocking, Danny, that the Alabama-Texas line is only 20 or that I think the Jets will have at least six wins this year? Definitely the Jets. <laughs> Good evening, Danny. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am fine. All right. Let's get this one out of the way first. Uh, baseball rule changes for 2023. I'm, I'm fine. I'm not sure if I said that. Pitch clock, the shift, larger bases, um, and uh, there's, a, there's another one, uh, which is that uh, the uh, pickoffs, limited pickoffs, and throws over and all that stuff. So these are going into effect? Yes, for 2023. No impact on 2022. But yes, this was passed. Like, this is going to happen. Well, it's, it's definitely good that they're getting the pitch clock in there. And it's good that they're limiting the, the amount of pickoff throws that, some, that a pitcher can have. I think that at times can slow the game down. The shift will be interesting um, just because a lot of teams have utilized that has, you know, has created, you know, a different type of game for sure within the last couple of years when when teams have adopted those analytics about how people are hitting. I'd be interested to see if that changes the way pl- uh, players approach the plate uh, a bit. You know, we've seen such a increase in the launch angle and pulling the ball, and a lot of that was because of, of what the shift was taking away. Maybe we'll start to see it shift back to the way it was, you know, mid two thousands, early two thousand, early two thousand tens, when players were able to use the, the entire field to spray the ball everywhere. Um, might see a little bit of decrease in home runs, but you know, I think we'll see better overall hitters and better baseball too. You'll see, yeah, the reliance on the long ball and, and more doubles and, and singles driving in runs rather than just. You know, those one-and-done players that are going to strike out 215 times and, and bat 220. Something in the analytics said don't change your ways because they never change their damn ways. And that's what always aggravated me was, okay, the whole left side of the infield is open. Do something about it. And they never changed it at all. Like, do something about it. And to be clear about the the banning of the shift you can't have any infielders on the outfield grass you can have infielders on the infield grass i.e. if you know someone's expecting a bunt but you have to have two infielders on each side of second base so i think it's good we'll see how it goes and uh we'll we'll, we'll see where it goes from here but I, I do think that this is going to go that anyone who played or coached or managed or taught in old school baseball is going to benefit from this, I think. Yeah, I, I think you're going to just see the better players get better and more rounded out lineups. You know, I, you know take for instance the Yankees. You have a John Carlos Stanton. You know, he, he bats 220 and he hits 25 home runs. I get the home run side of it, but he's not a productive hitter. Uh, you know, you need somebody more well-balanced. Maybe players like that will start to see 
benefits from being able to not have in their mind that they have to hit the ball out of the park to get on base. Uh, they might see that they have more opportunity to, to spray the ball around a bit. But we'll see. Maybe the launch angle and the, the you know strikeout or home run is the best approach. We'll still stay even with an opportunity to hit the ball all over the field. But you know that'll take some time, I think, to, to weave itself back into the game. But it'll be a better game to watch overall. Yeah. Uh, Danny Flecker with us here on Teeing It Up. You called Utah, Florida. You said, watch out. Watch out. You called it on this show, and lo and behold, uh, it happened. What? You know, it's the swamp. You can talk about attitude versus the swamp. You can talk about the X's and O's. In the end, what made the difference in your mind? It was that, that botched uh, red zone trip by Utah when they got inside the five and weren't able to, to score. That game, I, I can't remember the score of the game. I think they maybe were down 14-13 or, or it was something close, something within that time, you know, in that score range. And if they would have scored, they would have taken a touchdown lead. And then I think the game shifts a little bit. You know, that momentum went to Florida and Utah was playing on their back foot. And, you know, Utah still had an opportunity at the end. You know, I think when I was watching that game, if you're Utah, the way you drove down that field at the end of the game, you've got to be telling your quarterback, once you get inside the 15, we cannot lose out on an opportunity to get points. Whether it's touchdown or field goal, we need to do that. And that throw was just a forced throw. You know, I get it. I understand what's going through these players' minds. But, you know, from a coaching perspective, you have to be yelling at them. Do not make a throw if you don't have to. Throw it away. Don't take a sack. Let's at least get an opportunity to go to overtime. You know, if that's, if that's the outcome based off of the way the points line up. And they would have. They would have gone to overtime if they would have uh, been able to at least kick a field goal there if they didn't make it. But Florida came out. They were organized. They were motivated. They were efficient on offense. Anthony Richardson put together a great game. A lot of comparisons for him coming out of that game. I think we go down just a little bit uh, with what we expect from him. But overall, you know, Florida was a team with a lot of question marks coming into the season. Um, we'll see how they react now based off that performance with another tough test this weekend with Kentucky coming there. Uh, they're a little depleted, but they've given them trouble lately. So we'll see you know, what Florida does to uh, react to their success last week. The Joe Tessitore effect. Some odd night. You're in a semi-neutral site. Or just hashtag college kickers. But for Florida State to eke that one out, when I thought LSU was about to tie, and we were about to have overtime on Labor Day Sunday, what what can you say? I mean, what can you say? I was one heck of a football game. Yeah, I think I took away two things from that. Um, one, LSU is going to be pretty bad this year. They might win six games or so just because of the pure talent on that roster, but they have no quarterback. Jaden Daniels is not good. 
they for some reason alienated their best wide receiver in Keishon Boutte, who had one catch. I think that came on the last drive of the game. And their special teams absolutely sucked on Sunday. You know, two muff punts and the this uh, uh, I think they also had a blocked field goal earlier in the game um, that they allowed Florida State to get, and then you know the block extra point. You're not going to win a lot of football games playing like that. So we'll see what LSU does to to counteract that. Brian Kelly's post game comments the next day didn't do any favor either. No, not when you get the media riled up in Baton Rouge. Listen, he's. He's a he's a dick. <laughs> I mean, there's no no other way to put it. He was one of Notre Dame, maybe a little more subtle, but um, he's gonna find out very very quickly that Baton Rouge is a different animal. The SEC is a different animal, and those the way that the way that they wanted Notre Dame when he was there, while he was very successful in doing so, isn't gonna really cut it in the SEC. So they need to adjust quickly, and he needs to find out how this team's gonna be successful, but. You know, I don't want to overreact, but I knew LSU was going to be a question mark with their quarterback play, and I think those questions were answered for me. They're going to be a bad team this year. They're going to have to go through the growing pains, and we'll see if they're patient enough to do that. Danny Flecker with us here on Teeing It Up. I look at this slate, and I see week. You look at this slate week two, and you say... I, I, I think it's week as well. Um, you know... We're still a couple of weeks away before we get to to conference games. Um, there are a couple of interesting games, so I, I don't think that we have to just write it off completely. There are some games, to me at least, that that jump out as games that should you know pique our interest or at least be uh, on the betting mind of individuals that potentially are looking to to spread some money out this weekend. Go for them. Intrigue me. Take my money, Danny. Take my money. So the first game is Pittsburgh at home versus Tennessee. And they're six and a half or seven point dogs, depending on the books that you're getting. Um, I like Pittsburgh plus seven in that game. Don't know if they can win, but I like Narduzzi's defense against a spread, you know, running gun type of offense. They played Tennessee last year. They played a very similar style last week in West Virginia. They've had success in playing those types of offenses. They beat Tennessee in Tennessee last year. Again, it was with Kenny Pickett in a completely different type of offense. But at home, underdogs by one, like, you know, by almost a touchdown, I have to lean the dog there. I think that their defense will give Tennessee some issues. And I still think Tennessee's figuring out some things on defense that will allow Pittsburgh to to have some opportunities, so that's one of the games. Um, and then obviously you have Texas and, Oakland, and Alabama, right? You know, you mentioned the top. Alabama's 21-point favorites. Is that garbage time? Is that fourth quarter? I mean, what is well, that? I, I'm not I'm not taking a side in that game um, just because of, the, you know, I, I would rather just watch it and, and observe rather than, than put some money on it, but it's an intriguing game, you know, for a number of different reasons. You know, a lot of the talk has been, you know, what's the, what's the, mor- what's the number have to be for there to be a moral victory for Texas? How good is Alabama really? Um, they played a, you know, a Utah State team last week. We saw what Georgia did. 
the board game, so we know there's always going to be those comparisons out there throughout the season until they play each other. But I think for Texas, you have to show up and at least be competitive for a half. Um, I, you know, I don't know if they'll be able to stay within striking distance of Bama. Their defense isn't great. You know, Alabama's defensive line should have success against them. But you have a lot of hype players at Texas, a five-star QB and Quinn Ewers. You have to be able to put something out there that shows that you're on the right path. So that's that's what I'm looking for in that game. It's just to see how Texas is going to respond to, uh, you know, the best team in the country coming to their place and really being the prime time game in that slot at noon. Yeah, and. Uh... Fox's pregame show will be there. College game day will be there. So, a whole lot of hype for that yeah, game. There's, and there's some other, like, you know, smaller time games that, that I think are interesting. You have Utah. Not Utah. Um, Houston at Texas Tech. That should be an entertaining game. Uh, Baylor at BYU late at night to, to cap things off. Should be another interesting game against two top 20 teams. And then another one under the radar might be ugly. Uh, actually, two two games that might be ugly. You know, you might want to take the unders in both games, but Iowa State at Iowa, um, you know, the side hawk game, we saw what Iowa did last week in offense. Might have set back the sport, you know, 10 years with the performance that they had on display. And Iowa State, you know, trying to snap the six-game losing streak in that series. So I think that's going to be an interesting game, to be honest. I, I think it's going to be smash mouth, old school football. Should be exciting. And then Boston College at Virginia Tech. Both teams lost on Saturday. Blue fourth quarter leads against teams that they probably should have beaten. Um, and we'll see how those those two teams respond in a conference game that could really shape the way their seasons are going to be if, if one of them goes 0-2. Danny Flacco with us here on uh, Teeing It Up. Um, Alright, let, let's uh, flip to the pros here for a second. Uh, my take on the Jets is... Alright, Joe Flacco has people around him. And and yes, you know, the, the uh, Dwayne Brown injury is not ideal. Um, it's, it's, it's bad timing for all involved. Um, you can't get you know a proper guy in there. They're gonna have to move George Font back to left tackle. Uh, you know, rookie starting because the other guy's out or injured or whatever the case is. Um, so the the lines beat up, but you've got a team that is very young and very raw in the secondary. But besides that. Has a lot of a lot of youthful experience. They have a torrentially hard schedule. We have seen what Aaron Judge has done playing on a contract season. Lamar Jackson said today, "Do me the same, do me the same." But I think that Joe Flacco can can get them through games until Zach Wilson comes back, and then we see what kind of a quarterback Zach's going to be. My question to you, Danny is as a Jet fan, as I sit down to watch Jets-Ravens, and then going forward, 
you've got very low expectations for this team. Where's the hope? Where's the positivity? Where is it? Yeah, I, I think the hope is that you continue to build a foundation and find out if Zach Wilson's a guy. Um, I don't know if they'll pull the plug on him after you do. He's had trouble staying healthy. But you mentioned some pieces that they have. You know, they have Chris, no, they have Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore, Brees Hall, Michael Carter. You know, it'd be nice if Mackay Beckton played, but who knows who Oliver were. And, and by the way, they're, uh, we are referring to Michael Carter, the offensive player, not Michael Carter, the defensive player, though both are very key for this team. <laughs> and, and, and then you got some offensive line guys, right? Uh, a, AVT, whatever, Elijah uh, Barrow Tucker. Yeah, um, Elijah Barrow Tucker. Another couple guys on that offensive line. The defense, you know, I can't really name too many players on their defense, but you got Carl Lawson coming back after a big injury last year. Uh, they drafted uh, Sauce Gardner this year as well. So there are some pieces there. The problem is, as you mentioned, it's Flacco. He might get you through games, but he's not a difference maker. And when you have potential difference makers on the field, you need that person that's going to be able to elevate their games. Flacco isn't doing it. Wilson, you know, when he comes back, we'll see what he is and what he can do. But, you know, you have to hope that these ancillary players on the, you know, on the, on the roster that aren't the QB, continue to develop and provide an opportunity. That way, when you do have the quarterback play well, they're confident in what they're doing and they can get this, the job done. So, you know, th- that's where the hope is, I think, if you're a Jets fan. Um, we have Danny Flecka with us here on uh, Teeing It Up. All right, let's look at it this way. If Thursday Night Football taught us anything, it is that Josh Allen uh, left the golf course and got to practicing, and the Rams were still on vacation on the golf course. We have a whole bunch of teams, Danny, in this opening week, uh, a weekend slate that, that, let's just put it bluntly, did not play a lot during the preseason. This is their first time, besides organized practices, um, you know, playing with each other. And that's, that's, you know, scary in, in, in a lot of ways. Or their quarterbacks played one series or two series. You know, it's like in and out. Okay, you're safe. Um, and as you look at this and as you go to bet it, at least in college, when you're betting, you know that these guys have gone through very arduous practices all summer long and or... This is what the guy's known for, and or this is the film we have on on him from last year, and or this is week two, most importantly. This is week one. How do you approach week one with, with, as last night showed, a whole bunch of guys having had zero experience this preseason? Yeah, I I think last night there's some deeper issues that, that we saw. I think I think Stafford's a little bit more hurt than we were led on to believe. Um, the signing of Allen Robinson didn't provide any insights of what he's going to be for that team. I think he's only targeted one time. 
Um, Cam Akers wasn't even on the field at all for them. He's supposed to be a big part of their offense. So I, I don't know if the Rams situation is necessarily what happened, you know, during the off season. But you know, I think that there's a lot on their on their side that they have to figure out. But overall, when I look from my handicapping perspective. I'm trying to find teams that are undervalued based off of last year's performances, and, and there's a lot that you could throw out this week. I'm also looking for teams that have been in similar systems um, year in and year out that don't necessarily have to go through an adjustment period of, of learning. So when, when I look at the NFL side of things, you know, Tampa is a short favorite on the road at Dallas. Dallas has some question marks on their on their offense. What is you know what's that going to look like? With no Michael Gallup, no Amari Cooper, is Ezekiel Elliott, you know, back to where he needs to be. And on the other side of the ball, you have Tom Brady, yeah, going through his personal stuff, but still has, I think, the better team and the better defense in that matchup. Um, and, and then you've got teams that, that are short, that are long favorites at home, like Chicago, Houston, um, the Jets, you know, those are teams that are, are getting a little bit disrespected maybe in the market based off of what they did last year. So, you know, there's a lot of opportunity, I think, this weekend. It depends on which way, you know, people like to bet. But, you know, I like I like the Giants as five-and-a-half-point dogs this weekend in Tennessee. Uh, I know the Giants have a lot to prove, but they're getting a decent amount of points on the road against a team that's very one-dimensional lost their top pass rusher and likes to slow down the game, so the Giants will stay in the game just because of that. Uh, I like Tampa Bay, and I, I like the Raiders this weekend as well. Three and a half points um, in, in, uh, in L.A. against the Chargers. Revamped, Oakland, I mean, revamped uh, Las Vegas offense. Going, going up against the Chargers defense that is missing their top corner in J.C. Jackson, and that's not good with Devontae Adams coming to town. I think that's going to be an exciting game as well this weekend. So I'm 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 leaning those, you know, towards those teams this weekend. But like you said, there's a lot of question marks. A lot of these teams don't practice in the off season. They don't play preseason games. They hold their players out, and really the first couple of weeks are their preseason. So we'll see what that looks like, and I'm sure we'll get the overreactions on Monday morning. Uh, when we wake up to the teams that lose, but I do think that you know week one is a prime opportunity to take some do- underdogs uh, for upsets because, in my opinion, the bad teams this year, while they'll be bad at the end of the year, this is the best they're going to be. They're probably the most. They're probably their healthiest. No one knows what to expect of them, and they still have the motivation that it's the beginning of a new season. So, um, don't be surprised if the other dogs, you know, with you know nine or ten games, you know, cover nine or ten games this weekend. Um, we shall see how it plays out. It's gonna be fascinating. Um, a lot of unknowns, uh, not only because of new faces and and uh, new places, but also just just because of sheer lack. Of reps, and obviously that's a you know that that bleeds into family, uh, family. Jeez, don't let your fantasy team impact your family. Lesson for all out there. Um, for 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 fantasy purposes too, because you're kind of you know, um, you're you're. It's it's a leap of faith all around, 
And those are all good points that uh, Danny points out. Danny Flecka, thank you for joining us on Seeing It Up. We greatly appreciate it. No problem, man. Hope you have a good night. You got it. And enjoy your uh, Friday night, everybody. We'll see you.